Slick Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Lots of things to talk about today. Women identifying as trans men have infiltrated our seminaries, according to a memo from the USCCB. Really? We'll talk about that coming up in the What's Concerning Us section at 15 past this hour. Plus, uh, parents are being identified as domestic terrorists, according to a school board's we're going to have a lot of conversation coming up at 15 past the hour. Uh, also, in our guest segment at 35 past the hour, Navy SEALs being denied their religious exemptions, as well as other members of the service, to have that conversation. We've invited uh, R. Davis Janson, who is representing members of the Navy SEAL community, as well as other members of the armed services, to talk about why uh, the Department of Defense is rejecting their ability to... Uh, you know, apply for a religious exemption to the COVID mandates. So all of that coming up in this hour. It should be a jam-packed show. It should be very good. Do us a favor and share us with a friend. We'd be very grateful to you. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. I am very grateful to be here. Are you mm-hmm. now? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Speaking of grateful, okay. I'm grateful to be here. Thanks sure. be to God. Yeah. And it's uh, it's a good day, you know. Is it? I'm looking really forward to tomorrow, though. You think so? I am uh, the feast of the Holy Rosary, feast of Our Lady of Victory, anniversary of the Battle of Lepanto. It's, yes. been, it's an exciting day yes tomorrow. Yes. So I'm super excited for tomorrow. Yeah, praise be to God. It ought to be a good show tomorrow. We're going to have Professor DiMatteo on to talk about the Battle of Lepanto. Maybe, hmm, maybe. Maybe. Uh-oh. I don't like I it have when Joe an idea. gets ideas. I have when an Joe idea. gets ideas, that means I'm going to have to do something. <laughs> I have a list of some things. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. It, it, for the Battle of Lepanto for tomorrow. We'll have to see. Maybe we'll do something special. Trivia in, questions related <laughs> to Battle of Lepanto? Mm, interesting. <laughs> I can think of a few things anyway. At any rate, it ought to be a good show tomorrow. Uh, then Charles Colomb, I guess, is on Friday to talk yes. about Blessed Charles of Austria. Absolutely. So we got a lot of great show, great great guests coming up. Uh, but uh, there is so much to talk about today. It blows my mind to read the headline news anymore. Um, we are living in truly interesting times. Let's just say uh, the USCC memo, B memo coming out. Did you hear about Adrian? Did you hear about this Democrat in Pennsylvania who has uh, submitted a bill uh, that would require men to be um, to have oh, the vasectomy? Oh yes, the vasectomy. Crazy. At Forty years old, or either it's whatever comes first. Three kids or forty years old. That's insane. That that's like <laughs> like they're always talking about. Why do they need to make uh, laws about women's reproductive systems? Like you're literally, they're tr- literally trying to create a law to force men to get vasectomies. That's <laughs> insane. Now I think it's supposed to be satire. It's supposed to be a protest against the heartbeat bill in Texas, probably. But it, it I wouldn't put it past them, right? No, because China has already been doing stuff like this for a long time. Even if it is purely like a uh, a pro in protest, yeah, it's still like I. It would not surprise me if this is something that they actually believe and they just realize they can't push this yet. Right. Right. We did. Oh, by the way, um, as I'm switching gears mentally here, we did have a great conversation with Henry Sear yesterday. Yes. 
we should be playing that on the radio on Monday, and we might even release it early uh, tomorrow yeah. uh, to our insiders who are in our email list. So you go to uh, grnonline.com forward slash CDT to sign up for our email list. If you don't know who Henry Sierra is, he wrote the book, The Dictator Pope. Excellent uh, excellent book. Highly recommend. We talked to him mostly about, an hour. mostly about the apostolic visitations on these religious communities, which he detailed about the Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate in his book. Uh, but as is what's in the headlines these days, there's more visitations coming, and they almost never end well. So lots to pray for with that. So if you're on the CDT Insider email list, you're probably going to get the full-length uh, interview in your inbox tomorrow evening or tomorrow afternoon. Uh, if you're not on that email list, you're going to get a portion of that uh, in the uh, the guest segment of one of the shows next week. So uh, there'll still be opportunities there. So you can sign up to the email list on our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But coming up at 35 past the hour, we're going to talk to R. Davis Yance, who's representing some Navy SEALs and their fight to... Uh, to secure their right to have a religious exemption to these mandates. And uh, they're being denied that by the Department of Defense. So we'll have a conversation around what is going on with that story. What are the options for his clients? All of that coming up. So lots to get into. Why don't we dive in by prayer and we will get started with the, the headline news. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines. Epic Times reports Long Beach Port to remain backlogged until next summer, officials say. The Los Angeles and Long Beach ports located in the San Pedro Bay are expected to remain backlogged until at least next summer due to a record number of container ships arriving. Long Beach Port Deputy Executor, uh, Executive Director Noel Hasseberg, Hasagaba told the Epic Times. Hasagaba said the extended port congestion may negatively impact global supply chain. Currently, there are 63 container ships anchored in the bay waiting to berth, a slight decrease from the record number of 73 anchored ships last week, although still far beyond what is usual. The 63 ships at Anchorage are carrying at least 750,000 container units among them. So expect delays with Amazon and the shelves at Walmart. Washington Times reports Pfizer scientists tout natural immunity in Project Veritas sting. Quote, antibodies are probably better, unquote. Project Veritas jumped into the debate over vaccine mandates with an undercover video that shows two Pfizer scientists agreeing or allegedly agreeing that naturally acquired immunity offers more protections than vaccination from the novel coronavirus. The 10-minute video release late Monday featured three men identified as scientists at Pfizer, make, uh, maker of the widely used two-dose Pfizer BioNTech vaccine approved by the FDA. A man identified as Pfizer biochemist Nick Carl was shown explaining that after recovering from COVID-19, quote, 
your antibodies are probably better at that point than the vaccination, unquote. Concurring was a man identified as Pfizer's senior associate scientist, Chris Croce, who replied in the affirmative after being asked by the undercover investigator whether she had protection from COVID-19 after recovering and testing positive for the antibodies. Quote, as much as the vaccine, unquote, she asked, quote, probably more, unquote, he said, quote, how much more, unquote, she asked. Mr. Croce replied, quote, you're protected most likely for longer since it was a natural response, unquote. The Hill reports Missouri inmate executed despite pleas from the Pope and lawmakers. The state of Missouri executed an inmate Tuesday following pleas from the Pope and members of Congress to halt the execution due to concerns over his intellectual disabilities. Ernst Lee Johnson died from an injection at 6.11 p.m. at a state prison and could be seen mouthing, I love you, to family members, according to ABC 17 News. Johnson was put to death for killing three workers while robbing a convenience store in Columbia, Missouri in 1994. Pope Francis also called on, uh, Parson, on the Parson last week to grant clemency to Johnson. Archbishop Christophe Pierre, the Vatican's ambassador to the U.S., emphasized Johnson's humanity and the sacredness of all human life in a letter to the Missouri governor. Epic Times reports Supreme Court upholds constitutional ban on D.C. voting rights. District of Columbia residents are not entitled to voting representation in the U.S. House of Representatives. The Supreme Court ruled affirming a lower court decision. The ruling came after the House approved legislation in April to make D.C. the 51st state, but the bill stalled in the Senate. Democrats support the measure, arguing that all U.S. citizens should be represented in Congress. Republicans oppose it because they believe the framers of the Constitution did not want D.C. to become a state and because the new state's two senators would almost certainly be Democrats in the Democratic Party stronghold. The case is Castagnon versus United States. There were no oral arguments, and in the brief unsigned order, Justice Clarence Thomas, Thomas and Neil Gorsuch indicated they would dismiss the appeal for lack of jurisdiction. They did not elaborate. And those are your headline news. The saying of the day is blessed, and here we go with Canadian names, I mean French names, is Blessed Marie Rose Dorcher. She was born on the 6th of October, 1811, at Saint-Antoine-sur-Richelieu, Quebec, in Canada as Eulalie de Rochou. She was the 10th of 11 children and was drawn to religious life, but turned away due to a frail health. She became housekeeper to her brother Theophile and a priest of Beloil. Because newly independent, Canada still had a bit of the wild about it. Its bishop in the whole country was one single diocese, the entire country of Canada. They had trouble getting European religious to immigrate, so he founded a new community. Eulalie helped found the sisters of the holy names of Jesus and Mary, who served as the teachers and took the name Marie Rose. She died on the 6th of October, 1849, at Longluel, Quebec, of, in Canada, of natural causes. She was beatified on the 23rd of May, 1982, by John Paul II. Blessed Marie-Rose de Rachur, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. And it came to pass that as he was in a certain place praying... 
when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We see an ongoing theme here of intimacy with the Father uh, in this particular passage today. The Ignatius Catholic Study Bible points out the holiness of God's name should be revered by all. Boy, does it give you, is it one of your pet peeves? I know it's one of mine to hear the Lord's name taken in vain or taken very casually even. People who, you, who speak the word, even God, um, so casually and flippantly. Uh, it becomes reg- part of regular speech. It bugs me to no end, although that used to be one of my greatest sins, to be honest, uh, back in the day. I, I didn't have a very good, clean language. I have since tried to clean it up quite a bit. Pra- praise be to God. So let's pray for those that struggle with that. But I also love the, I, I, I will hammer this forever because I think it's so powerful. The word epiousios used in the Greek version, even Hadock points this out. He says, in the Greek, it is called epiousios, super substantial. That is not the bread that goeth into the body, but the bread of eternal life that supports the life of the soul. It is here called daily bread. Receive then daily what daily profit you, and continue so to live, that you may be daily in proper disposition for receiving it. All who are under sin have received a wound and must seek for a cure. The cure is the heavenly and most venerable sacrament. Did you see what's going down here? This is the Holy Eucharist being referenced as daily bread. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing here? Epiousias. That's your $10 word for the day. You should uh, take that and use that in the office or at school or whatever. Just throw that around and say, you know, I was I was contemplating the epiousias uh, earlier this morning in the gospel. What's the epiousias? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. It is the Holy Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to pour himself out for food for our journey towards heaven in this wasteland we call earth. Because <laughs> we want sinners to be saved through the sacraments and the Holy Church to make it to heaven. That is our mission. That is the call of our Lord and Savior. Let's let's see to that today. Amen. Praise be to God. All right, coming up next is the What's Concerning Us segment. Don't forget, 35 past the hour, we're going to talk to an attorney about Navy SEALs being denied their rights. All that's coming up next. Catholic Drive Time. Share us with a friend. We'll be right back. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. GloryandShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryandShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryandShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, 
craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul. Unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. Embrace Christ. Embrace His Word. And if you stand for life, oh my goodness, you'll put a smile on God's face and He'll bless you. Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up 35 past the hour, R. Davis Yance is going to be on as our guest. He is an attorney representing members of the Navy SEALs, as well as others, by the way, members of the armed services who are fighting for their right to have a religious exemption against this uh, mandate. So we're going to talk to him about the situation there and the details. What are the options for them? Because many thousands of members of the armed services are now in a very difficult situation. Uh, and uh, the Navy SEALs, I think, are being used as an opportunity to spread the word about that. So that's coming up at 35 past the hour. There is a story out of LifeSite News that I found very troubling today that I want to talk about. Uh, USCCB memo reveals women identifying as trans men infiltrated seminaries. Let that sink in for a moment. <laughs> Absolutely insane. A USCCB memo, USCCB memo suggests that DNA tests and medical exams should be instituted to stop any further incidents. This is reported at LifeSite News, by the way. A United States Conference of Catholic Bishops USCCB memo has suggested bishops consider DNA tests and medical examinations for admittance to seminary and religious life after multiple women identifying themselves as men were admitted to seminaries and houses of formation. <laughs> um, okay. I find that fascinating. Like one, how did they even get through? Like, or were they that convincing? Like you would, you, you weren't able to, like there was nothing on the radar that would suggest maybe we ought to ask a question here. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I've never been in that. Those I walked a mile in their shoes. Maybe it's possible that, uh, that that is the case, but I find it hard to believe. Yeah, one thing about this, which I think is hilarious um, and horrifying, is that whenever I was applying to the novitiate, we were required to have a physical done. We were required to go through a psychological evaluation. We were required to do all these, jump through all these hoops, have a background check on us, submit our birth certificate. All this information was, was provided. And I know vast majority of seminaries do this. So that, that's what's blowing my mind. How on earth? Because like the the article is saying that they should probably implement some kind of DNA testing. Yeah. But we already have physical psychological yeah. evaluations right. and submitting no one, our, our birth certificate. Right. And nobody figured this out. Or maybe they did, and then this is why they're saying this. Maybe exactly. they, along the way they're like, "Hey, we're we're finding some issues here." This is, the article goes on to say the memo issued by Milwaukee Archbishop Jerome Listecki, head of the USCCB's Committee on Canonical Affairs and Church Governance, on September the twenty second, states that the committee was recently quote made aware of instances where it had been discovered that a woman living under a trans Transgender identity had been unknowingly admitted to the seminary or to a house of formation of an institute of consecrated life, unquote. 
It is not specified whether or not the seminarians, uh, the seminaries and houses of formation were in the United States or elsewhere, nor is it specified how often such incidents occurred. The article goes on to say, the memo mentions an instance in which quote, sacramental records had been fraudulent, fraudulently obtained to reflect the individual's new identity, unquote. In all instances, however, nothing in these individuals' medical or psychological reports had signaled past treatments or pertinent surgeries, unquote. None of the women identifying themselves as men had yet attempted Holy orders. Well, praise be to God for that. I mean, I'm glad they caught all of these instances, but it makes me wonder, was there an attempt here to circumvent church teaching and natural law to force the issue of women priests? I'm wondering uh, uh, if one could interview some of these, these, uh, these ladies in uh, transgendered situations, uh, whether or not there was a motivation there. Uh, sort of an in-round kind of a thing. Uh, it's pure speculation on my part. There's nothing to suggest this in the article. I'm just wondering it out loud. Lestecki, the article goes on to say, Lestecki, a doctor of canon law, stated that, quote, canon law requires the diocesan bishop to admit to the major seminary and promote to holy orders only men who possess the requisite physical and psychological qualities, unquote, needed for ministry. He went on to point out that bishops can canonically, quote, require various means to establish moral certitude in this regard, unquote. Lestecki also stated that some members of the committee have suggested that, quote, a bishop should consider requiring a DNA test or at a minimum certification from a medical expert of the bishop's own choosing to assure an applicant is male, unquote. We live in a world where we now have to uh, have medical experts, DNA tests, to ensure that someone is male. We live in very interesting times. Great holiness is needed and required. This blows my mind. This utterly blows my mind. But almost as much as it blows my mind about this guy from Pennsylvania, also reported over at LifeSide News. Pennsylvania Democrat attacks pro-life law with satirical bill to mandate vasectomies. Good grief. I should learn to speak English. Uh, To mandate vasectomies. The stunt unwittingly demonstrated multiple falsehoods and fallacies in pro-abortion talking points. This is all reported over at LifeSite News. This caught my attention because essentially the story was that this particular uh, uh, Democrat lawmaker out of Pennsylvania was... proposing a bill that suggested that all men have to have the vasectomy either after they've had their third child or by their 40th birthday. When I saw this and was sent to me uh, via Janice on Twitter, and and it wasn't like there was no satirical element to that post. It seemed like this person really wanted this. And that blew my mind. I'm thinking, this is China right here in America. But LifeSite's pointing out that this is probably just a protest against the Harpy Bill in Texas. The article says, a Pennsylvania Democrat lawmaker is attempting to take a satirical swipe at a Texas law banning the vast majority of abortions by introducing legislation that would force men to undergo vasectomies upon reaching their third child or 40th birthday. 
quote, far, for far too long, the public debate around abortion, contraception, and related reproductive matters has thrust government into the center of restrictions on the bodily autonomy of women and girls, unquote. But, quote, rarely is there a meaningful dialogue around public policy focusing on the personal responsibility of cisgender men in this sphere, unquote, State Rep. Christopher Robb declared in his October the 2nd statement. Because hmm. there are other kind of men, right? Well, a couple things is bodily autonomy. How many times must we say this? The child in the womb has its own body. And when a heartbeat is detected, viability is, I mean, beyond the issue of, you know, life begins at conception, um, there's that. But there's the issue of its own body, its own viability, and it just they keep repeating the same nonsense over and over again. And the whole cisgender male, thank you for being for purporting uh, racist and gender ideology. Yeah, because natural law applies to all human beings, not just the Catholic ones. Okay, all human beings are subjects of God's natural law. And what do we mean by that? What we mean is that we were made male and female. Male and female, he created them. What's the first command he gave to male and female? To become married, to get married to each other, to be uh, fruitful, fruit, uh, fruitful and have children, and to occupy the earth, to, to uh, be good stewards of this planet through marriage between a man and a woman. And yet we see the continued lies and falsehoods being perpetuated there. Let's go to the story uh, that's also going around how a school board has been asking the government to get involved in uh, these. You see all the videos, right, of the school board, the parents coming in. They get in these big arguments and, and very flashy videos are coming out of, of yelling and screaming going on at these school boards. And Well, the school boards are like, these are domestic terrorists and we need protection. And uh, they've sent a letter. Uh, it's it's insane. They sent a letter to the governments asking for uh, help in investigations against these domestic terrorists. And the, a, the National AG said, of course, no problem. GOP accuses AG Garland of weaponizing DOJ FBI to intimidate anti-CRT parents. Uh, this is total totalitarianism. This is the headline out of Breitbart. Republicans blasted Attorney General Merrick Garland on Tuesday after he directed the FBI to pursue law-abiding critical race theory, CRT opponents, in order to protect school administrators and staff, citing concerns of disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence without citing specific cases. So the deal is parents who speak up, parents who are mad, parents who are upset and frustrated because they've discovered what's going on in their schools and they've shown up to speak up, they are now, you know, being targeted or being labeled as domestic terrorists. Now, if there are actual instances where violence is being threatened, well, that's serious. We don't want violence on, upon anybody. I was watching a, uh, a, uh, a clip of Denzel Washington in the movie Cry Freedom the other day. And he was playing a character from South Africa fighting for the rights of black people in South Africa. And the, the white prosecutor was questioning him about his comments about confrontation and violence. And he said, I don't support violence. And the guy was like, but you say right here, you are for confrontation. He says, of course I am. We're in confrontation right now. But I see no violence here. 
You see how they conflate these things? One can be in confrontational dialogue without committing violence. Let me just demonstrate this for you. Adrian, I think we should demonstrate this principle for... Of what violence is? No, confrontation and violence, how how this all works. So I'm going to play the school board, you play the parent, complaining about things like mandates or CRTs. Uh, Give me a sentence or two. All right. Well, uh, stop teaching my kids that boys could be... Terrorist! Terrorist! All I wanted to say was that... Arrest him! Wow. See, that's how that works. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's how mm-hmm. that works right there. And all the parents want is yeah. to uh, not have their kids indoctrinated into imagine, leftist religion. Just imagine. Just imagine that. So very concerning story there for sure. And of course, the, the news out of France yesterday with that big, huge bombshell of a report of sexual abuse is actually very, very troubling. It continues to trouble. Although the question becomes how much of this data was conflated. There are people who are speaking up. It's a 2,500-page document. And to be sure... Many crimes were committed. Yeah, and but every one, every one ought to be held accountable. We, I mean, le- leave no stone unturned. But let's not use this as an opportunity to just pull out the bat and start swinging against the church falsely. No, credible cases, those are cr- uh, crimes committed, they need to be prosecuted, and uh, reparations need to be made, uh, damages rather, uh, need to be paid out. However, uh, there is questions over the number. The, the, in the uh, r- report that I read yesterday, 2,700 cases that they verified, but they've, they've blown it up from 2,700 up to... Uh, 330,000. According to some reports, others it's like 216,000. That's quite a blow up, I'm just going to say right there. What's the truth? I surely don't know, but I surely want everyone guilty to be held accountable. That much I can say for sure. It is a shame and it is a horror to see the continued scandal of the abuses that come out of those members of our body that would perpetuate such crimes on people. All right, we're going to have breaking news and stories and our Davis Yance coming up next. Talk about Navy SEALs fighting for their rights. It's coming up next. Tell a friend. First John 2.27 reads, You have no need that anyone should teach you, as his anointing, the Holy Spirit that is, teaches you about everything. Sounds pretty Protestant, doesn't it? No living teaching authority and just me and the Holy Spirit? Was John Protestant? Absolutely not. And here are some reasons why. First, John can't be rejecting a living teaching authority because in 1 John 4, 6, he instructs his readers that the apostles' teaching is the criterion for discerning truth from error. So what does John mean? He's warning his readers against false teachers. In 1 John 2, 19, he writes, Some went out from us, but they were not of us. If false teachers, well, then there must be true teachers. Sure, the Spirit teaches Christians the truth, but he does so through the living teaching authority, not apart from it. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Uh, keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. Here are your headline news. 
Epic Times reports, school board asks Biden admin to treat parents as domestic terrorism. The National Organization of Public School Boards is calling on the Biden administration to protect its members from angry mobs of parents who protest against COVID-19 restrictions placed on students and the teaching of critical race theory characterizing the protest as domestic terrorism. Specifically, the NSBA asked the federal agencies such as the FBI, Secret Service, and Departments of Justice and Homeland Security to investigate, intercept, and prevent the current threats and acts of violence by whatever extraordinary means necessary. The group also asked the Biden administration to direct the U.S. Postal Service to filter threatening letters and intervene in cyberbullying attacks that target students, teachers, and school leaders. The Washington Examiner reports government secretly orders Google to track anyone searching certain names, addresses, and phone numbers. In an attempt to track down criminals, federal investigators have started using new keyword warrants and used them to ask Google to provide them information on anyone who searched a victim's name or their address during a particular year, an accidentally unsealed court document that Forbes found shows. Trawling through Google's search history database enables police to identify people merely based on what they might have been thinking about for whatever reason at some point in the past, according to Jennifer Granick, Surveillance and Cybersecurity Counsel at the American Civil Liberties Union, according to Forbes. The government said that the scope of the warrant is limited to avoid implicating innocent people who happen to search for certain terms, but it's not publicly disclosed how many users' data are sent to the government and what the extent of the warrant requests are. Google has defended its decision to respond to the warrants and said it protects users when doing so. Reuters reports... Biden says he and China's Xi Jinping agree to abide by Taiwan agreement. U.S. President Joe Biden said on Tuesday that he has spoken to Chinese President Xi Jinping about Taiwan, and they agreed to abide by the Taiwan agreement as tensions have ratcheted up between Taipei and Beijing. Biden appeared to be referring to Washington's long-standing policy under which it officially recognizes Beijing rather than Taipei and the Taiwan Relations Act, which makes clear that the U.S. decision to establish diplomatic ties with Beijing instead of Taiwan rests upon the expectation that the future of Taiwan will be determined by peaceful means. Taiwan's foreign ministry said it had sought clarification from the United States about Biden's comments and were reassured that U.S. policy towards Taiwan had not changed. The U.S. commitment to them was, quote, rock solid, unquote, and the U.S. will continue to help Taiwan maintain its defenses. Breitbart reports Francis Collins, NIH director, resigns after gain-of-function falsehoods exposed. Francis Collins, director of the National Institutes of Health, uh, announced his resignation on Tuesday, just weeks after documents exposed that he made, quote, untruthful comments about the U.S. federal funding of gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. 
Just weeks before this announcement, Richard Ebright of the Rutgers University accused Collins of making false public statements about National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and their grants to Wuhan Institute of Virology, which have since been proven to fund the study of the chimeric SARS-related coronaviruses, which could infect human cells. Ebright said bluntly that Collins had not told the truth when asked about this research. Quote, assertions by Francis Collins and Anthony Fauci that the NIH did not support gain-of-function research or potential pandemic pathogen enhancements at the lab are untruthful, unquote, Ebright said. And those are your headline news. Joining us now via Zoom chat, uh, praise be to God, is the attorney representing some members of the Navy SEALs, as well as other members of the armed forces, R. Davis Yance. Good morning to you, sir. Thank you for your time. Hey, good morning. Thank you for this opportunity. Praise be to God. Now, Navy SEALs, you know, ever since the... Uh, the mission to kill or capture Osama bin Laden have been you know, in the headline news quite a bit, and they can be the tip of the spear, not just in the battle, but also in the headlines. And, and I think maybe that's at the heart of what's going on here. But can you tell us who are you representing and why? Yeah, so I've had the opportunity to meet and I'm representing a, a small group of Navy SEALs that represent a much larger group. I have about uh, 10 Navy SEAL clients now. I'm in the process of representing at least 20 more, I believe. And that's a small part of the military members I represent. Now, primarily my, my clients are, are Christians. Um, they are both Protestant and Catholic believers in God. And everything they do, including their military service, is motivated by their faith in God and their belief in basic, you know, historical Christian principles that include loving their neighbor and preserving and protecting innocent life. So that's who my clients are. They're, they're frontline warriors, all of them. Now, I served in the U.S. Marine Corps, and uh, I remember I raised my right hand. I made that pledge, that oath to uh, support and defend the Constitution of the United States. And one of our favorite sayings in the Marine Corps, USMC, was, you signed the mother bleeping contract. And <laughs> we would remind ourselves all the time that we volunteered for this, and uh, our rights, our liberties were kind of uh, on hold while we were doing so. So what's the difference between military life and civilian life when it comes to liberties and rights? Yeah, there are significant differences, but ultimately we have to remember that the way our society was established, the way it's supposed to function is military members don't give up all their constitutional rights simply because they join the military. So ideas like due process, but more importantly in this issue, ideas of religious freedom, free exercise of religion still exist within the military, and the military is required by law to accommodate religious beliefs to the extent they can without compromising the mission. And so that, that's just baked into military law that's part of who we are as a nation. And, and it would be almost absurd in some respects to say, because you join the military to support and defend the Constitution, you give up all of your constitutional rights. The Navy SEALs in particular, um, they are deployed a lot. And in the last 20 years of continual warfare, I mean, the pressures are very high upon the, the Tier 1, Tier 2 uh, operators to constantly be deployed or in constant training at, and to prepare for deployment. And it's not that big of a force in the Navy SEAL community. What are we talking about? 1,500, maybe 2,000 tops? And to have the numbers that we're talking about, I've heard as much as 600 possibly uh, that are fighting for this to not be deployed because they're being told at this point they're not going to deploy 
if they refuse the vaccine, and they may even lose their their career as Navy in, as Navy SEAL uh, operators. What could that mean for them, for their families? What could that also mean for our country and our ability to wage warfare? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the significant concerns here. There, there are a lot of issues to talk about. What One of the significant concerns is military readiness. What percentage of the force are we talking about? And what percentage of the, the frontline folks like Navy SEALs that have critical skill sets that take a long time to go through their training, a long time to become operational readily? What impact does that have on the force? Those numbers you're seeing, those numbers you're talking about, those seem to be consistent across the force. There are pockets where the percentages are much higher of people that are not vaccinated or resisting the vaccination. But when we talk about my clients, they're facing, number one, losing the opportunity to continue to serve as Navy SEALs. Again, think of the sacrifices, think of the training, think of everything they've done to get there. But also then they're they're putting their families, their future, their financial stability, at least in the near term, at risk to take this stand. They are looking at, um, if they're not deployable, they're looking at separation from the military, depending on how the Department of Defense and the Pentagon decides religious accommodation requests, some of my clients may be looking at court-martial mm. or adverse administrative separation, which essentially takes away the Veterans Affairs benefits, GI Bill, and other things they've earned. Even health care. They may even lose their health care. Will they get other than honorable discharges? That's a possibility. We don't know the answer to that yet. We're still sort of on, on the front end of this wave, but my clients are very concerned about comments from, from the White House about you know military members that don't receive the vaccine should receive a dishonorable discharge. You and I know as military members, that means a court-martial. That means they're criminally charging you and taking a court-martial if we're talking about a dishonorable discharge. Now, if it goes a different way, and we sort of think of it as military employment law to try to explain it in a different way, you can be separated adversely, fired, if you will, from the military. But when that happens, there's consequences. And one of those is you can receive an under other than honorable conditions discharge, we call it an OTH. You receive that, you lose your veterans benefits. Um, so it's significant, it's a huge um, slap in the face, I think, to my clients who have deployed so many times, have served so faithfully, have showed so much courage um, to be in the situation over for them, for my clients, what boils down to a religious conviction, a matter of faith and a question about um, the best way to serve God in this time. It's fascinating to even contemplate. Uh, there's a book that I have read, uh, my wife bought it for Christmas a few years ago, about uh, how the German army, under a Nazi leadership, um, took every seminarian out of seminary and forced them to join the army. And this particular seminarian uh, details his time in forced military service, and he even served in the SS. And he finished his seminary formation secretly while he was serving. And he talks about how the military fought in some ways against the uh, sort of the, the, the ruling party, but in some ways they acquiesced. And it was little by little, it was eating away slowly that, uh, that it became more problematic to the point where he, he almost uh, lost his life on a couple of occasions. It's a harrowing tale. But I'm, I'm kind of reminded by this, and I want to talk to you more about that on the other side of this very quick break. We're talking with R. Davis Yance from YanceLaw.com about his clients and their fight for religious exemption. We're going to talk about that coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Tell a friend. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that the world associates fanaticism with religion? But G.K. Chesterton says that the strangest fanaticism that fills our time is the fanatical hatred of morality. 
especially of Christian morality. It is the irreligious who are fanatical in their hatred of religion. They hate religion because religion is the only basis for morality. They hate morality because it is clear. And they prefer things to be vague, vague to the point where they can call wrongs rights. But we cannot call something a right when it defies God's laws. We can only call it a sin because all rights come from God and God is not going to break his own laws. Neither should we. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Our guest is R. Davis Yance from YanceLaw.com. He represents members of the military and their fight for their rights, religious exemptions against the mandates. Um, YanceLaw.com, once again. Welcome back to the program, Davis Yance. Thank you. So we were talking about uh, your clients uh, before the break, and I was reminiscing about uh, Father uh, Gerard Goldman, who served in the SS. He actually assisted by passing messages in the attempt to assassinate uh, Adolf Hitler, too. And his insight into how the military can go bad quick, um, I think, is very insightful. Do you see, are we that desperate in the military these uh, at this point? I'm making an extreme example there, but do you think that the military is going in a bad direction? Is it possible to to get to back to something more noble or normal even? I, I think we have to be very careful. My clients, again, they're, they're concerned that there's a trend. My clients are seeing uh, analogies to arbitrary deadlines, right? One of the big problems with the vaccine mandates we're seeing is the deadlines have been arbitrary. Each branch of the service has different deadlines. You have different deadlines for guard, reserve, active duty. And so when you have an arbitrary deadline, the problem is my clients have been asking for months, month after month, give us clear guidance, tell us how to apply for medical exemptions or religious accommodations. No guidance came out. And then all of a sudden there's arbitrary deadlines. They're different. And then the deadlines keep moving. So I've had clients that I've had less than 24 hours to decide whether or not to submit a religious accommodation and then try to submit it. And it's, it's a technical legal thing to submit a religious accommodation. So, so that's part of it. So my clients definitely are feeling pressure and the challenge is when you talk about slippery slopes and other things, my clients are asking their leadership, their immediate commanders uh, questions, and they're getting a response. Hey, we support you. We understand your concerns, but this is coming down from the highest levels. This is coming down from the top. We don't have a choice. Just get the shot. So that's a concern for me and, and for my clients when that's what you start hearing. One, one problem I have is the, so we talked to the Thomas More Society a few months ago about religious exemptions, and they were making the point very clear that all you need for religious exemption, technically speaking, is to have a sincerely held religious belief about something. And 
and that doesn't you do not need to have something from your bishop, from your priest, from your pastor, from your rabbi. It does not matter. Those are tertiary. Um, and even they say he was making the point that you shouldn't even try to get that because you're giving credence to what they're trying to do. How on earth does this work? It seems like every company, every school, every organization, the government has a different idea of what a religious exemption means and is. What, so what is it? Right. So the law, you really have to look to the Religious Freedom Restoration Act and Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. And that those things still apply to military members as well. And it's supposed to be very, very simple. The default answer is supposed to be yes, if someone has a sincerely held religious belief. So if someone has a sincere belief, it doesn't matter what the belief is, but if they have a sincere belief and it's their belief is forming their objection to uh, a medical treatment, a vaccine mandate, or something else. The default answer is supposed to be yes, and it's supposed to be a strict standard where the business, uh, the government, the military then has to show, okay, there's a reason why we cannot grant this accommodation. But the default answer is supposed to be yes, and you're right. It's consistent. The other attorneys that I'm talking to uh, across the country are, are dealing with the same thing in the military. In the military, in some respects, my clients are seeing it going a step farther especially in the Coast Guard. I don't know if you've seen some of the documents that have come out from the Coast Guard, but mm. they're actually designing questions to trap military members into uh, talking about politics or other things first before they even bring up their religion. To, so to go even a step farther, not only in the opinion of my clients, ignoring the law, but going a step farther to trap military members yeah. into making this a political uh, issue. Now, that's funny. You uh, That's not funny at all, but it's interesting that you bring that up because I uh, have a I've got several friends still serving in the military. And I was talking to one friend who was a, a pilot in the Navy, and he and I have chatted about politics for years. We've, you know, commented back and forth about uh, political headlines or whatever. And uh, I think it was 2020 last year. I, I asked him, hey, how do you feel about that occupation of the nation's capital? And he's like, I cannot comment on this. I can't talk about this. I will no longer be commenting about politics ever on, on, on the social media. And I think he even stopped interacting on social media completely. And his wife, too. It could be because as it came out in the news, the military was tracking all of the social feeds of their service members. Is that acceptable? <laughs> well, again, my clients are are very, very concerned about their, their personal privacy and their safety when it comes to career and other things when it comes to dealing with this issue. So one of the things we've had to deal with, I'm an attorney. Yes, I have a military background. I've, I've served for 19 years, but I'm advocating for my clients as a private attorney because they're terrified to speak up for themselves. They feel this has become very political. This isn't about freedom. This isn't about right and wrong. This isn't even about medical science anymore. It's about whether you will comply with this mandate whenever it's rolled out, whatever it is, regardless of your religious faith. And that's a grave concern for my clients because they are afraid if they say or do anything, then they're going to end up in the brig. Oh, we have uh, uh, several listeners hanging out with us online as well as on the radio today. And uh, Elizabeth pointed out that she has a young son who's in the Navy and she's very concerned about him. He's trying to hold out as long as he can. Uh, but his religious uh, uh, exemption was denied almost immediately and they're threatening to uh, discharge him if he doesn't get the shot. What do members of the military have? Is the only way to fight for your rights to hire an attorney, to go to court? And what, what is the, what is the uh, ballpark figure? What does it cost to fight for one's rights when you're serving our nation in the military? 
So I, I want to address that a couple of ways. One, one thing I want to say is this. The military does have uh, military attorneys that act as military defense attorneys on the inside. So we might think of it as a, like a public defender system for the military. So the military does have that. The problem is those attorneys can only mostly can only represent folks after they've already been charged with a crime. So in situations like this, it's too late, right? So this this uh, listener to the show, it, it, it's almost too late to get a military attorney involved after you've already been charged with violating a lawful order. So the issue is, you're absolutely right. How do you find an attorney? How do you find one with military experience? A lot of attorneys aren't even willing to take on these vaccine cases. I've had sure. friends that have said, well, I think it's going to be bad for my business if I if I do this. I don't want to be associated with this. So so that's a problem. So one of the things that I've done is I'm working with a group of pastors that, that ministers to these Navy SEALs. They've started an organization called Stand With Warriors, and they have a website, standwithwarriors.org. So anyone can go there. Um, this listener can go there, have her son go there, uh, fill out the contact form. There are volunteers there that are trying to find attorneys willing to take these cases. Um, they're working hard to do that. And there's also action that can be taken. You know, we do still live in a free society. So I'm encouraging everyone that has a true religious objection to this, file the, the accommodation request. You can appeal. There's an appeal process that extends the deadline. In the meantime, we need to draw attention to this. We need to ask politicians to get involved. We need to ask Congress to act. We need to draw attention to it. And in within the military, you still have the Equal Opportunity Office. You still have uh, inspector generals, you still have ways to bring congressional complaints. So even without bringing an attorney into the picture, there are processes in place that are supposed to protect religious, religious freedom that military members should uh, use. The problem is in this situation, what my clients are seeing is they're not being given guidance. They're not being given clear information. There's a lot of miscommunication. And again, most military members, if you have to hire an attorney on your own for this, even if it's just handled administratively, you're looking at costs that are going to range from $3,500 to $10,000. Wow. Um, double that. Double that if you're talking about a court martial. And low-ranking uh, low individuals in the enlisted uh, section of our military, they don't make a lot of money. So that those costs are going to mount very fast for them. So hopefully there's some fundraising going on to help support that cause. R. Davis Yance is our guest, yauncelaw.com. We have just a couple minutes left in our conversation. I remember going through boot camp, and they shot me with all kinds of things. I had <laughs> no idea. Sometimes twi two at the same time, one arm at uh, one guy on one arm, one guy on the other arm, and just shoot, shoot, shoot. No idea what was going on my body and I and I felt like I couldn't even ask. Uh, it's amazing to me. I never thought back in those days that we would their day would come when military members would have to stand up and stop and say, hold on, what's in that? What are the lasting effects? And I may have a problem with that and I don't have to fight. Are your clients the you know these Navy SEALs and the other members that are your clients, are they prepared? to face the worst potential outcome on this? Are they emotionally and mentally ready to walk away from their careers with potentially a less than honorable discharge and the lasting effects on that? You know, they are, and, and it's faith-based for them, right? These, these are, are silent professionals, especially when we're talking about the Navy SEALs. They are, they are committed to this, and it's faith-based for them. So they're, they're not going to compromise on their religious faith. They're not going to compromise in this case. And they, they are prepared for that. They prayed through it. Their families are with them. Their churches are with them. And they're prepared to face the consequences of this. They, they feel like they have, have no choice um, when it comes to their faith in God and their belief on this vaccine. And, and I'll say this vaccine is being treated differently by the military than any other vaccine my clients have received. Natural immunity is being ignored. Yeah. It's in the regulations. 
uh, it's clear in the military regulations, natural immunity is a reason for an exemption to a vaccine. And for the first time, my clients are seeing this as one where that's not being recognized. Did you see the uh, study that came out of Finland? I reported on it yesterday on our show uh, of how natural immunity really is way more powerful uh, uh, to this uh, particular virus than the vaccines. Even the, uh, the, the Project Veritas videos, even the Pfizer employees are suggesting that. And still the military uh, is insisting that they everyone get it no matter what. It's, it literally lacks uh, sanity. Yeah, real quickly, we have about a minute and a half left in the conversation. I'd be remiss if we didn't bring up, if you're Catholic and you uh, want a bishop sign off on your religious exemption letter, uh, the Confraternity of Our Lady of Fatima by Bishop Athanasius Snyder, His Excellency, has said if anyone signs up to be a member of the Confraternity of Our Lady of Fatima, he will personally sign your religious exemption letter. So we mentioned how you only need to have a sincerely held religious belief, but a lot of people are requiring religious leaders to do it. So His Excellency agreed to uh, write these letters. If you join the Confraternity of Our Lady of Fatima, if you look that up, you'll find it. R. Davis, Yonslaw.com. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for your service to our country. We'll be praying for a successful outcome for you and your clients. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you too. Have a great day. That is going to do it for our number one of Catholic Drive Time. We'll be posting this conversation to our social media feeds uh, later today, hopefully. Not YouTube. Um, yeah, YouTube blocked us. That's right. Censorship. Forgot about that. Uh, but we are on Odyssey, Rumble, other other places. You can find everything linked up on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Make sure you're on our cdt insider email list to get the latest information. We'll have exclusive content for you tomorrow afternoon, I believe with our conversation with Henry Sear and others. So all of that's coming to you via your email inbox. Sign up today at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God bless you. God love you. And for those that can join us in the next hour, we'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. some friends who are Catholic who say that you don't have to believe everything that the church teaches, whether it's in the catechism or not. Is that true? No, it's not true. If you want to call yourself Catholic, but you want to pick and choose for yourself which of the church's teachings to accept and which to reject, you give everyone else who calls himself Catholic the right to do the same thing. For example, you believe women should be priests. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1577, it states, Only a baptized man validly receives ordination. For this reason, the ordination of women is not possible. You don't believe that. Well, that's fine. I just made this a catechism of your Catholic Church, but not mine. But remember, if you can throw doctrines out, so can everyone else who calls himself Catholic. That gives Joe Parishioner over at St. Doubting Thomas Catholic Church the right to throw out the church's social justice teachings. He doesn't feel like feeding the hungry, caring for the poor, and all that other bleeding heart stuff. Paragraphs 2401 to 2463. I just made this a catechism of his Catholic Church, but not mine. 
You believe contraception is okay. Paragraph 2370 says contraception is intrinsically evil. Joe Parishioner doesn't like what the church teaches on the death penalty. Paragraphs 2364 to 65. You don't like what it teaches on these pages, pages 505 to 508. He doesn't like what it teaches on these other pages here, pages 610 to 615. Can you see what's happening? I heard it said once that there is a shortage of vocations to the priesthood in the United States, but no shortage of vocations to the papacy. If we don't believe in all of it, if we each appoint ourselves pope and throw out a doctrine here or a doctrine there, then our faith is no longer Catholic. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern. Right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. You're halfway there, by the way. I don't know if you, you realize, but it's Wednesday. So just imagine, you're only a couple of days away from your weekend. You can do this, all right? You can do this. It's going to be a great day, praise be to God. You're trying to convince yourself, or? Uh, yeah, I've, I've got to write that down. Outside voice versus inside voice. I'm taking a note. Good morning to you, Adrian Fonseca. Good morning, good morning. It's good to be here. I'm going hunting this weekend. You're I can't going wait. hunting? Yes, praise be to oh, God. Oh, wow, praise be to God. That sounds like fun. Yes. What are you hunting? Uh, deer. Deer. It is archery season. Wow. Are you going to hunt with a bow? Yes, sir. Wow. That's Praise pretty cool. God. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I love sitting in the woods with a bow in my hand. Quiet, meditative reflection, contemplative. And sometimes uh, we get some excitement. That's you the, said that you uh, <laughs> made, used to make bows. Did, I did. To say, you're using a, what kind of bow are you using? I am not make, using a bow that I've made. Okay. I'm using a bow that I purchased. Um, but uh, the bow, I did make bows. In fact, I made a ton of bows just out of PVC pipes, which is kind of fun. I made them for the kids. It was a blast. I made some really heavy ones that shot pretty far. It was a lot of fun. And then I made some, what we call board bows. Um, and they came out, but they didn't come out awesome. <laughs> they were hard to the board. The material means something, and when all you can get is like a, a a board out of like Home Depot or something, you don't get great quality. So you really need good quality. I never did get good quality material like Osage wood or something like that. So someday I'm going to go back to trying that with some proper material, but I haven't done that yet. By the way, it's, it's a lot of fun. I love our pretty cool. It's we just. But speaking of which, we just wrapped up a great conversation with uh, R. Davis Yance, who is an attorney representing members of the military, to include several. I think he said ten, maybe even up to soon twenty Navy SEALs fighting for their rights uh, to have religious exemptions as Christian uh, men uh, against the mandates. And so that was a very fascinating conversation. We'll be posting that 
Probably to Rumble and Odyssey and other places. Definitely but, not YouTube. <laughs> but YouTube's will not allow it, which means we're probably going to have to unlist the live stream as soon as we're done. Yes, yeah. So we're probably going to take it off. So if you're watching it, better share it now before or after the show it gets uh, taken down. So if you want anybody to see it, send it their way. Uh, get the link, send it their way, but it'll be unlisted later today. Yeah. If you want the link, just go to www.grnonline.com forward slash CDT and shoot me an email and I will get the video to you if you want the whole show. Yeah, praise be to God. So we're going to do a good news story that was submitted to me by a listener, a Catholic Drive Time listener who sent me a tip on a good news story, praise be to God. I'm going to read that here in a moment. Then we will have a saint of the day, gospel of the day, hopefully a little bit of a reflection, and then we will play fear and trembling. Now, yesterday, did we have phone problems yesterday? No, we did not. Because we got a bunch of phone calls, but like two They're minutes into the game yep. show. So it's best if you call earlier than later. That gives us more time to have fun and play the game well. But uh, I'll give you the phone number coming up. But you can always get the phone number on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Let's uh, jump in. Let's uh, pray. And then, of course, get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the good news story. This is coming out uh, from the Alabama Center for Law and Liberty. The Alabama Center for Law and Liberty. The headline goes, UAB Health System rescinds vaccine mandate after receiving an ACLL demand letter. So we've been talking a lot about these uh, vaccine mandates today. We were talking about them in the military. But here's a little bit of this article out of uh, the Alabama Center for Law and Liberty. In May, Alabama passed SB 267. Commonly referred to as Alabama's vaccine passport ban, the law provides in part, quote, a state or local government entity or any of its officers or agents may not require the publication or sharing of immunization records or similar health information for an individual. Alabama Attorney General Steve Marshall interpreted this language to mean, quote, no government school or business in Alabama may demand that a constituent student or customer respectively be vaccinated for COVID-19 or show proof of his or her vaccination for COVID-19, unquote. After learning that UAB Health Systems was mandating vaccines for its healthcare employees, ACLL sent a demand letter to the University of Alabama system, arguing it was violating the vaccine passport ban by forcing people to disclose their vaccination status and threatening litigation if it did not cease and desist. On December the 17th, UAB Health System decided that it will not force its employees to receive vaccinations against their wills unless forced to by the Biden administration. Matt Clark, ACLL's president, said, 
We quote, we recognize that COVID-19 is dangerous and do not wish to die to discourage UAB and its affiliates from taking reasonable steps to keep people safe. But since the long-term effects of the vaccines are still unknown, the state of Alabama has decided that using the power of government to force people to get vaccines against their will is not a legitimate option. Unquote. Well, that is good news to uh, to put an end to the mandate there in, in Alabama. Praise be to God for that. And that is your good news story for today. Yes. And the saint of the day is a French saint or Acadian saint, which means French names. Is yeah. Blessed Marie Rose Dorocher. She was born on the 6th of October, 1811, at Saint Antoine sur Richelieu in Quebec, Canada, as Yulele Dorocher. She was the 10th of 11th children and drawn to religious life, but turned away due to frail health. She became the housekeeper to her brother Theophil, Theophil as a priest, and he became a priest at Beloil because he was a newly independent. Because Can, uh, Canada was newly independent, they still had a bit of wild about it, meaning, you know, woods. And they were, the entire country was just one diocese. The entire country of Canada, one diocese. And so imagine how being the bishop of that diocese. He had trouble getting European religious to immigrate, so he founded a new religious community. Yulele uh, helped found the sisters of the holy names of Jesus and Mary, who served as teachers, taking the name Marie Rose. Much easier to say. She died on the 6th of October, 1849 at Longueuil, Quebec, of, in Canada, of natural causes. She was, she was beatified on the 23rd of May, 1982, by John Paul II. Blessed Marie Rose, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. And it came to pass that as he was in a certain place praying, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Priorities. St. Gregory of Nyssa says, See how great a preparation thou needest to be able to say boldly to God, O Father, for if thou hast thy eyes fixed on worldly things, our courtest the praise of men, or art a slave to thy passions, and utterest this prayer, I seem to hear God saying, Whereas thou art of a corrupt life, callest the author of the incorruptible thy father, thou pollutest with the defiled lips an incorruptible name. For he who commanded thee to call him father gave thee not leave to utter lies. But the highest of all good things is to glorify God's name in our lives. Unquote Gregory of Nyssa. What does he mean by all that? Well, he's saying if your priorities are on the world, the flesh, and the devil, and you use God's name flippantly, you got big problems. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, I wanted to read from, uh, so normally I'll take Cornelius Lapide, and he did have a lot to say on this, but I just wanted to promote something that is not well known. 
Thomas Aquinas, amongst his the Summa Theologiae, his most famous work, he wrote many commentaries on many other things, including the Our Father. And so I'm going to read a little bit of uh, from there, and I highly recommend. I'll put a link in the description if you're watching on our social media feeds. You can check that out if you want a link. You can send it to me, but you can find it by looking up Thomas Aquinas's commentary on the Our Father. His first petition, he regards the hollow be thy name. He said, the thing that we need to understand about our Lord's name is that God's name is lovable. It's venerable. It's ineffable. And it's hollowed. What does he mean by this? He breaks each one down and I'm not going to go and read all of it. We don't have enough time for that though. He says, the name of God is venerable and the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those that are in heaven on the earth and under the earth. Those that are in heaven refers to the angels and the blessed those that are on earth to the people living in the world who do so for love of heaven, which they wish to gain. And those under the earth, even the damned do so out of fear. Now that's like, that's a heart. That's a real stab to the heart. Cause you realize at the end, when our Lord comes again in glory, cause remember he came now when our Lord came today, he came in meekness. He came in humility. He came as a babe in a manger. He came as a blessed sacrament, uh, making himself the blessed sacrament in order that we may receive him, but also he give us, he gives us the opportunity to profane him and to commit sacrilege and to commit blasphemy against him. But at the end of time, at the second coming, it will not be so because the holy name of Jesus, the holy name of our Lord, the holy name will not be mocked because at the end, our Lord will come back. And when he does, every knee shall bend. So the angels in heaven will rejoice and will be praising. And the, those on earth that are of goodwill, those on earth who are one of the saved, they will be rejoicing and they will kneel out of love for our Lord. But even the damned who are burning in hell will also kneel out of fear for they know that the, whenever the coming comes, that the torments of hell will be even more intensified because they will be reunited with their body. The holy name is also lovable. He says, there is no other name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved. We all should desire to be saved. Blessed Ignatius, who had such great love for the name of Christ that when Trajan ordered him to deny it, he affirmed that it could not be dragged from his mouth. Then the emperor threatened to have him beheaded and thus take the name of Christ out of the mouth of saint of the saint. But Ignatius replied, even though you take it from my mouth, you will never snatch it from my heart. I have this name written in my heart and there I never cease to invoke it. He had the servant of God beheaded and the command that his heart be taken out. And there upon the heart was found the name of Christ inscribed in letters of gold. This name had been engraved on the heart as a seal. Amen. It's such a beautiful story that St. Thomas tells there. I highly recommend checking out the rest of his commentary, but uh, that's a heart wrench right there. Yeah, Is sure. the name of Jesus written on our hearts? Wow. That <laughs> conviction. St. Basil would also say, there are two kinds of prayer, one composed of praise with humiliation, the other petitions and more subdued. Whenever, they, when, whenever then you pray, do not first break forth into petition, but if you condemn your inclination, supplicate God as if, of necessity forced there too. I think priorities, that's a big takeaway. How often have we contemplated our priorities when uh, praying to the Father, when uh, bringing to uh, 
uh, God the Father our needs, who knows what we need already? Do we prioritize, you know, the salvation of our souls, the souls of our family members and friends, uh, versus those material needs that we would seek for or need? You know, right now there are a lot of people who are facing an uncertain future. We talked about that in the last hour with those members of the military fighting for their rights, but there's many of you fighting for your rights and and may lose your job. I'm seeing one in the comment box right now saying the same thing. And an uncertain future uh, is is ahead of us. But I can tell you what isn't uncertain is the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost for you. His love for you. His love for your friends, your family members, the strangers that live near you, that you'll walk past today, drive past today, that you'll encounter at the store or the office. He has deep, incredible everlasting and eternal love for that soul whom he created out of nothing. And he will provide for you. He will care for you. But he wants your yes today, your fiat. Amen? All right, praise be to God. It's time to play our game, Fear and Trembling, which means we're going to have a little bit of fun. We're going to probably uh, have a a good time with our contestant and then possibly put them in a prize pack uh, to win on Friday. Their name uh, will have to come out of the prize, uh, the uh, coffee cup of divine providence, so to speak, to win the prize. But their chances, they get three opportunities to go in and it comes up right now. All you got to do is be our caller. The phone number is 877-757-9424-877-757-9424. Call now. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation 
by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. Praise be to God. I'll tell you about that. But what we need is a caller, and the phone number is 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Call right now, and you get to be our contestant. So if you've never called before, or if it's been a while, this would be a great opportunity at 877-757-9424. If you called yesterday and didn't get on, great opportunity at 877-757-9424. But there are a few things that we like to do during the game show segment. Number one, uh, now this is just between us, okay? Don't, don't, don't spread this too far. But number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for te- teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you did not know before. Praise be to God. We like to have fun with our contestants, and they tend to be really good sports. They laugh with us and have a good time, and we really like that part. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which makes it sort of a winner for everybody involved, Right. But here's the kicker. I have these three Catholic trivia questions. I'm not going to ask the caller the question. Mm-mm. Instead, I will ask uh, Janice and I will ask Adrian. One of them will be right and the other will be wrong. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Janice or Adrian? And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Praise be to God. So that is how the game is played. Now, what is the prize, Janice? This week we have a guest sponsor called Mendoza Custom Leather Goods. So he has an Etsy shop and an Instagram account. You can check him out at Mendoza Custom Leather. And he's giving away a $60 value Sacred Heart Valley tray. So essentially it's a leather tray that has an embroidered Sacred Heart image stitched to the bottom of the tray. You can place your necessities like your phone, wallet, rosary, holy water, keys, uh, or any other uh sacramentals that you may have uh, this is a great tray to add to your home altar or uh, near your home art home altar to um, pl- place your holy water place your uh, sacramental goods or rosaries a uh, great addition to your home altar or just anything like um, just to have something uh, easy access for your keys or your rosary at home uh, it's a cool 60, looking tray yeah it's sixty dollar uh, a value and it's actually a custom tray so this is he specifically made this for our sponsor game so it's a it's definitely one of a kind how neat is that now you put a picture uh, maybe you could put the picture in the com boxes of our social feeds so that uh, folks can see what it looks like. Mm. Yeah, uh, pretty cool looking. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll get that up, so you'll check us out uh, on our social feeds. But here's the deal. We're going to go to the phones, and there were several people who called in. I uh, see uh, several people on the line there. Thank you for calling in. Call back tomorrow if you don't make it on, but let's go to, uh, let's go to Robert. Good morning to you, Robert. Thanks for calling our program. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. I'm here. Praise be to God. Robert, where are you from? San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio, Texas. We love San Antonio, Texas. Where do you go to church? St. Matthew's on Warsbach. I've been there many times, praise be to God. And uh, have you been listening to the game show before? Do you know how the game is played? Yes, I do. And do you have an opinion on who might be trickier, Janice or Adrian? 
No, I don't. <laughs> well, that's good. Praise be to God. That'll be uh, it'll be a good show then. But I'm going to warn you, they are both very tricky. You got to listen carefully. But uh, here we go. We're going to play uh, by starting with Janice, as is our custom. Janice, are you ready? Yes. Are you yes. sure? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Janice, can you tell me, Martin Luther posted how many statements to the door of All Saints Church back in the 16th century? Martin Luther, he posted 95 theses. 95? At, yes. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. So 95 yep. statements or questions that he had against the church. Yep. Okay, 95. Hmm. And he fell into heresy and, and separated from the church, unfortunately. Well, but. let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me, Martin Luther posted how many statements to the door of All Saints Church? Yes, he posted 666. Really? Theses. Yeah, huh. very symbolic. I feel isn't like it? I've heard that number some other place. Yeah, the uh, the mm. you know the bill, the senators, senators they try to uh, be oh. like Martin Luther and oh. have you know okay. bills named six six six. That's where that comes from. Mm. Interesting. It might come so, from the Bible. Um. So, but you're saying he, it was Martin Luther. Very symbolic. 666. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Okay. Uh, Robert, let me let me let me summarize for you. Adrian seems to think it was 666 questions or statements posted by Martin Luther, whereas Janice says it's 95. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Robert, what say you? Absolutely, Janice. Absolutely, Janice. Survey says... Yeah. Yeah, that was an easy one, right, Robert? Yeah. Yeah. Six hundred and sixty-six, Adrian. Come on. Well, I mean, Cat Martin Luther is kind of an antichrist. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. Warren Carroll's uh, description of uh, the Diet of Worms and the trial of Martin Luther is awesome. By the way, highly recommend it. You should check it out. All right. So ninety-five is the correct answer. Ninety-five thesis. You're in the cup, Robert. You might win. Praise be to God. But let's see if we can't double your chances. Uh, with this next question. Uh-oh. Let's see here. I'm gonna, uh, oh, this could be a tricky one. This one, I'm going to be honest. This one could be tricky. We're going to go to Adrian first. Adrian, in what city, or rather, forgive me, in what century, in what century? Houston, Texas. No. Oh, Let's okay. start over. In, <laughs> we're confusing people already. In what century did celibacy become required for all clergy in the Latin church. Yes. Hmm. Mm. I'm going to say mm-hmm. that was in the 5th century. Really? Or the 6th century, rather. That's why it was during the reign of um, Pope Gregory the Great. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So the 6th century. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just see what Janice has to say. Janice, can you tell me, in what century did celibacy become required for all clergy in the Latin church? In the Latin church... So, specifically in the Latin Church, yeah. it was the 12th century. Uh, so, really? The 12th yes. century? Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow, that's a tricky one. Who's right? Who's wrong here? Janice says 12th century, but Adrian says the 5th century. Mm, 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Robert, what say you? I'll have to go with Adrian this time. Uh, are you sure? Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, It's a tricky question. So, Robert, I don't know if you knew, but Adrian has a reputation 
and uh, his nickname is called Tricky Adrian. I thought it was Big Meanie. Uh, that too. Oh, okay. Ratty Tratty, Big Meanie, and Tricky Adrian. Right. Got Those it. are his among <laughs> the many of his uh, nicknames. So, in fact, the answer is not Gregory the Great. Yes. It is the 12th century. Yes. So the. Uh, long story short, because we don't run out of time, the uh, celibacy was in, was uh, always a practice in the Western Church, but it was not so much as common a practice in the Eastern Church, and it became codified in law in the 12th century that every clergy had to be celibate in the Western Church. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, I still think we're going to get you in here twice, Robert. I think we're going to get this done, but I'm going to be honest, unless you're a liturgical expert, this next question might be tricky. Uh, we're going to go back to Janice. <laughs> Janice, can you tell me? I almost don't even want to ask this question. Janice, can you tell me? <laughs> on what part of the altar... So this is a tricky one. On what part of the altar are candlesticks and flowers placed? Hmm. Well, I've never been an altar mm-hmm. child. Um, I've never been... Oh, an altar <laughs> boy? <laughs> you, were, you were not an altar boy? I, no. I, an altar child? <laughs> okay. Okay. I uh, uh-huh. so I have very little uh, knowledge about um, altar setups, but you I, and me three. I will say that that will be the tabernacle. The tabernacle. Yes. Interesting. Oh, okay. Okay. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me on what part of the altar are candlesticks and flowers placed? Well, it can't be the tabernacle because the tabernacle is in another room. Uh, <laughs> just kidding, Have joking. Have you been going to my uh, parish again? <laughs> on the on the grading is where it is. It should the be the grading. Placed. The grading. That's the name. Grading. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. G R A D I N E. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yep. And not the mensa. <laughs> on the grading. On the grading. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he, Robert, here's the deal. Uh, Adrian seems to think it's the grading. Is the part of the altar where the candlesticks and the flowers are placed for Holy Mass, whereas Janice seems to say it's the tabernacle, which would make it all awkward if the tabernacle were in a different room or a different place. But either way, Janice's answer, tabernacle, Adrian answer, Gradine, 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Robert, what say you? Adrian is right. <laughs> yeah, the dog. Good, good, got it. Now, solid. That solid. Would ha- okay, that was a tricky question. It Congratulations, question. Robert. I would not have gotten that right, no matter what I did. So I'm proud of you. But two times in the coffee cup, in the good old days, the high altars, the tabernacle would have been built into the altar, and that might have been more trickier in that case. So, well done, well done, Robert. You're in for two. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for playing our game today. You're welcome. God bless you, Robert. Have a great day. We're going to put you on hold, though. So don't go anywhere. We're going to get your phone number just in case it be God's will that your name come out of that cup. But that is going to do it for the radio side of our program. Praise be to God. Thank you all for joining us for our radio program. We really love the fact that you hang out with us. Be sure to sign up for our email list and stay in touch. We're going to send you unique content every Thursday at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you back here tomorrow for the Battle of Lepanto. It's coming up next. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. 
Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to God. Welcome back to the After Show, Catholic Drive Time, where we get a lot more casual about our conversation. And you, my dear listener, get to drive that conversation with whatever you want to talk about. I want to talk about gradings? No. No, I don't. Yes, I do. No. Yes. Maybe. Can I say maybe? It's, but there's a potential there that we could talk about grading. Um, That's my reaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want, show of hands, how many people knew grading was a thing? A thing. <laughs> <laughs> any liturgical nerds out there? Raise your hand. You know, any, it's, any liturgical it's nerds? fascinating to me because I know I'm not I'm not the only one. I, I'm probably not that many people, but I'm not the only one who, when you go through your phases as you come into the church, right? There's a phase. There's an apologetics phase, and you go through the apologetics phase, and then you dive into the early church fathers, and and you're you're studying all that stuff, mostly because you're probably having to defend the church against non-Catholic Christians, like like I did. To be honest with you, though, I didn't really get into the liturgy all that much. Outside of defending the Ouch. church on the uh, theology of the Holy Eucharist, you know, I didn't really get into the rubrics, the liturgy, development of I liturgy. I love that stuff. I never did. It never was a thing for me. My, um, you mean, know, um, I even like the, the closest I could say would be defending the ma- the Holy Mass as an as the original ancient liturgy. Other than that, you know, Saint Justin, um, the martyr, in his first apology, he he details the Holy Mass in one fifty A.D. one twenty five A.D. Uh, of course, you have the biblical references, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Outside of that, it's still an apologetics argument. It's not really a rubrics argument. Mm. Um, but now, at, now as I'm old and I'm getting there, you know, I get more into the rubrics of the liturgy and I start to think about it more. And, and you realize, holy smokes. I mean. It's so cool. There's so much. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Me and my buddy, who's a seminarian with the Archdiocese of Galveston in Houston, uh, he loves rubrics. So every time we get together for dinner or lunch, we, uh, we're always talking about rubrics. And or he just like, we like, oh, dude, I was reading this old manual. And like, I just found out that the rubrics in 1942 said this, and they changed it in 1947 to this. It's super fascinating. So we just like, we'll just like talk about rubrics for like, for hours. It's great. I love it. Yeah. Um, but the, like, for instance, what do you call the folding chair that the bishop uses uh, whenever he travels to other places. I actually, I actually, um, let's see here. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of okay. So it's kind of funny because what it's called <laughs> is actually called the Faldst stool. The the Faldst. <laughs> fold I get where you're going. And at. so the folding stool. The folding stool because it literally so. Yeah, technical. It's, yeah, it's so it's hilarious because it's a it comes from the old English, and so it's literally the same word just in old English. So it's it's F A L D S, and then a stool. Fall it's a stool. It sounds German, and so it's a uh, it's it's yeah because it comes from old English, and so it's uh it's literally just folding chair. 
Holy shit. I was going to say that, actually. So, <laughs> so, crickets, man. Yeah. I was like, crickets, crickets. That's so funny. No, it's so good. So, like, those kind of uh, things, I just I just love it. Christopher like, Chance, things. is it the Episcopal butt rest? <laughs> Josh said, Cathedra Portobal. <laughs> <laughs> that's the cathedra portable that's, that's, that's hilarious that's good it's, it, uh, i mean you're not that far off i mean right. it's is literally just fold stool uh, the folding so stool funny. is called the fold stool that's so funny so yeah. it's pretty cool I, I i love these liturgical things because like you just learn these things and like for instance i said uh the grading and not the mensa why did i say that what is the mensa why would you say that so the, the mensa is actually the actual table part of the altar, the part where you put all the the missile on the holy sacrifice of the mass happens on the mensa, the mensa, and uh, you're not actually supposed to put the candles and the flowers there. But I was like, I was telling Joe during the the short break in between the uh, the game show and the after show that I forgot most altars are just altars, like it's just the mensa now. They don't have these other parts of the altar anymore. They got rid of them. And so the candles in general, I know. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, Oh my goodness. I forgot about this. Most at most churches, the candles are on the altar and then the flowers are usually on the floor around them. And I I forgot about that because there is no grading. The grading is the shelf that goes over the altar behind it. So that way the, you're not putting those candles and the, um, and the flowers on the actual physical altar itself because it doesn't belong there. Uh, so it's very interesting. And do you know what the uh, the place where the priest stands is called? Uh, uh, and other things that people don't care about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's called the predella. The uh, predella. Kazuntite. Kazuntite. Thank you. Yeah. So the place where he steps, because it's usually the third step on the uh, whenever you, because uh, most churches, uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's if it's if it's right to say most churches, but then most churches don't have the steps anymore. Um, instead, it's like flat, or there's like one step. But traditionally, there was three steps. Why though? The Why high, the it, three? Yeah, powerful symbology going on there. There's a lot of there's a lot of layers of symbolism, and it's not just symbology; it's mystically present. Right. So there's a lot of reasons why. One reason is that each step symbolizes the theological virtues that okay. the priest needs to have to mm-hmm. ascend the altar of God. Mm-hmm. What else? Um, it also symbolizes the ascent of Mount Carmel, yeah. the ascent of our Lord to the Mount of Calvary, the ascent. So yes. all, every basically any time there's a climbing of a mountain right. in Scripture, that's yes. symbolic of that. Yes. Um, and the, so and awesome. the connection between those is that you, the priest needs to have the virtues, the theological virtues, the infused virtues of faith, hope, and charity in order to ascend to the altar of God and ascend the Calvary where yeah. he is sacrificing and yeah. uh, participating in the holy sacrifice of the mass. But a lot of people don't realize that the, when, when the Jews celebrated Passover, they didn't just celebrate the meal symbolically. They actually believed that they were mystically present at the original Passover meal in Egypt when the uh, when Moses brought uh, through God brought through Moses the people out of slavery in Egypt. That's carried forward into the New Covenant with the Holy Mass and Calvary, and uh, we are mystically present as Hebrews, our favorite, a letter from Saint Paul wrote in uh, Hebrews 12 that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. If you read that chapter, chapter 12, it is, it's the Holy Mass. It's talking about the Holy Mass where mm-hmm. heaven and earth meet on a mountain. It's pretty powerful. Yeah, the Josh made a great point. He said it becomes very clear whenever you look at the Psalms 
and the, what he's referring to specifically are the prayers at the foot of the altar. And those prayers were our prayers that are, uh, have been removed from the, from the new mass. Um, but they're present in the, in the old mass. And, um, many of the, we skip a lot of the questions in the trivia cards because a lot of them are about, like, the prayers that are, like, one of them is, what is the first response that you make at the, in the mass? And then, uh, and I'm like, eh, nobody's gonna know that because it's, adam quaili tifikayo bentutumayam. But the reason why it's so beautiful is because, like, the, I'm pulled it up and I thought I had the English translation here, but it, I don't. But it says, yudike me deus edicene kazumayam de digente no sancta ap omnia inique doloroso erome, which is, judge me, O God, and discern my cause above, from men that are not holy. And, uh, and doloso me erome, uh, I'm forgetting what that means. But it's like the, the translation, it's, it's, so, it's so beautiful because it's implying, it's showing forth the importance that we, what we are doing. We're about mm-hmm. to ascend into the altar of God. And then the ad deum qualitificat meum is to God who giveth joy to my youth. And it's so beautiful to like you think about this. You just meditate upon that. Like you're ascending unto the altar of God. You're ascending. What is the altar of God? Yeah. The altar of God. This is where heaven meets earth. This is where like everything changes. Everything yeah. is different. Yeah. And we need to have a disposition where we realize that we are abandoning the world when we're ascending the altar. The world is we're leaving it behind us, and that's why we need the ascent to show there's a distinction between where we were before and where we are going. And that's so, so important for us to keep in mind as we're, as we're heading towards something special, something beautiful. And if you don't attend the terrestrial mass, I highly recommend looking at these prayers at the foot of the altar and, and perhaps thinking, maybe I should pray these before mass, um, before mass starts, Yay say these amen. prayers. Yeah, I love, in fact, my missile, I love the fact that it has the Psalms that Jews would pray while making the ascent up to Jerusalem for Passover. And how that's now carried on in the in the in the mass. It's just amazingly powerful to realize um, how God planted the seeds in the old covenant and brought them to a harvest in the new. It's amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna just say this uh, before I forget because my brain doesn't want to work today because for whatever reason I, I, I'm really struggling with um, mental acuity today. I feel like Joe Biden. Where's my Joe Biden button? Um, this, this is why we originally we set the button about? up for right here. That morning frog Come brain. On, man. Anyway, um, we are probably going to unlist our video today from YouTube. So let's talk about YouTube for a moment. Uh, we're, we get strikes left and right. The, at any moment, they could just be deleting our content. They're not. They're shadow banning us anyway. <laughs> okay, let's just be honest. Um, very little of our content sees the light of day. Um, it's, we have, you know, you guys are watching me on video. So we've got this many subscribers and our content gets this much views. Now one could argue, oh, Joe, it's because your content's terrible. Okay, fine. That's a legitimate argument. Uh, I can see the lots of areas for improvement, whatever. Um, but having, uh, I would say I'm very well informed. I would argue that I'm informed greater than most people when it comes to understanding how the YouTube algorithm works. I studied it for a few years, actually, and, um, and tested my theories on how that algorithm works. So I understand how the game is played. And I can tell you, I feel like we're just constantly stuck in the shadow banning world. And then you couple it with uh, the censorship issue. So I, I just don't think we can, unless we want to filter every conversation, 
And I, you know, like there's the guy Anthony Stein from Returning to Tradition. I, he annoys me to no end sometimes. Every time he says, well, I had to replace the names and the words and this and that because our lovely host doesn't like them. I mean, he, I, I'm sorry, our lovely host doesn't care about Vigano or Archbishop Athanasius Schneider or, or Bishop Schneider, actually, or whatever. Like, this YouTube doesn't care about any of that. They care about things like the vaccines and mandates and CTR. That's the stuff they care about. So... um, Unless we want to play that game and always filter our content, then we're never going to have the kind of conversations about the, the, the diversity of topics that we really want to do on this show. So I think our policy is going to be we're going to live stream the content and then probably just unlist it. And we will upload uh, the, the interviews to our YouTube channel that are going to not really cause too many problems. Uh, for YouTube, and then we're just going to post our content elsewhere. The problem we have, though, it's a nice thing to say, but in reality, Rumble, Odyssey, BitChute, we're now posting to MeWe. There's no real audience there. Yeah. I mean, I was explaining to a friend some. of mine, like there's I was giving some. them the analogy. I said, like, okay, yes, there's freedom of speech and the other channels, but the difference is, like, you either go into the middle of downtown Houston, you're yelling your message out, or and that's YouTube, or you're going out to uh, to a brick wall and you're yelling at a brick wall. So at least the brick wall is not going to censor you, but no one's hearing you. <laughs> yeah, that's so. It's definitely a problem. Uh, by the way, Clarissa, I'm going to probably be at Our Lady of Atonement on Sunday morning for Holy Mass since I'm hunting out in the Hondo area. Um, it's a beautiful church. It's a beautiful church. It's an amazing campus. Uh, very interesting for sure. I've never seen a black altar before. Black altar? Yeah. It really stands out. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Never uh. seen one like that before. It was very interesting. At any rate, so I, I just wanted to bring that up because, you know, it's the ongoing battle and, you know, it's the 80-20 rule, right? 80-20 rule. 20% pays off the most where 80% pays the least. So you have when when you have limited resources, you know. Right now it's it's just the three of us, and Janice, uh, she, she, you know, she's part time and and she's committed elsewhere too. So the resources are limited. So our ability to do the kinds of things that I envision and dream about and want to do for for our apostolate, right now are pretty limited because of that. So it's a difficulty for sure. So I say all this to say, it's important. And when I, you know, when I say, please be on our email list, it's important. It's be, be on our text list. Join our text list if you haven't done so already. Uh, I know you're like, but I don't like the emails. I don't want to be harassed. Above. You know, listen, I try to keep our emails to nothing but value add as much as I possibly can. I very rarely just send emails just to send them. I like when I send you an email, I like to give you things. I like to give you extra content, do something special. I, I'm trying to build something unique and interesting. So join our email list, but it's also just a great way for me to stay in touch with you. And um, make sure you're on that email list. Download the mobile app so you can listen when things go off. I had a listener email me yesterday, mistakenly thinking that we were shut off. And so I'm like, no, we're still on, and here's how you can listen and all that. So, you know. Yeah, my friend listens to us every day, and, and she was saying that she didn't uh, get a notification today. She was like, uh, I think I've been in Facebook shadow banning for now a year or more. I, I probably used, have. I used to get 
tons of traction through Me my too. Facebook profile. Yeah, my personal Facebook page is is like I used to get because I would stir the pot and right. and get I I get like hundreds of people liking, commenting, and all the time. Um, now I get like. Like if I'm lucky, I think my biggest post recently had like 40 likes, and I'm like, right, weird. I yeah, usually the, have way more traction. The only time my posts get any traction is when I'm being, uh, when people are wishing me a happy birthday, or my anniversary, or if I post a cute picture of one of my kids. Like that's it. Outside of that, nothing. I mean, literally, like nothing. And I don't need to be famous. I have no personal desire to be famous or popular or loved. That is not my goal in life. <laughs> I'm ha- I'm a- I'm happy to be a curmudgeon and a hermit. Um, Amen, brother. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but still, it, it's obvious to me that the the game is stacked, and it's difficult because as we move as I I beat this like a dead horse here, right? Um, as we move into the brave new digital world, those algorithms are stacked against us in a significant way, and we are really trying to have conversations of consequence. We truly are uh, conversations about things that need to be conversated about. And, um, and there's really just not a, a, there's not a stomaching for it, so to speak. So I continue to be very grateful to radio, the good old-fashioned, old-school technology that allows us to communicate to the masses and, uh, and talk about what we want, which is why I say get the mobile app, download it. You can listen online at the worst-case scenario. You can pull up our app and you can listen there. Or go to our website. Now, there are some upgrades that we want to do. There's a lot of upgrading. There's a lot of fixing things that I would like to do. Um, you know, for instance, uh, revamping our branding and graphics on our feeds. I, I really want to do that. How, you know, that will include how we brand videos that we post independently of the live show. Of course, the technology, like the camera gear and, and systems and all of that. Um, there's a lot of stuff, but we can't get there until the resources are in place. Mike said the meanie headed trad called me a brick wall. Nice. <laughs> Mike, cause he's on Odyssey. You, uh, you, you picked up that he was speaking directly to you, Mike. I was worried that that would go straight over your head, Though, but, uh, I can't speak over the brick walls are very tall, dude. Yeah. Depends um, on the wall, by the way. But, but, um, the, we have seven listeners on Odyssey right now. It's kind of, praise like, be oh, to wow. God. usually it's like two and, yeah. and that's you and Mike. Yes, yes, the two of us. It's our personal video it's chat. Exactly. I appreciate. By the way, Mike served in the Coast Guard, and earlier Mike was talking about uh, the Coast Guard and um, and the difficulties. He says Coast Guard senior leadership has been moving left for a long time. When I read the questionnaire, I imagined a younger me arguing that their premise was based on lies. Uh, pretty sure I would have been discharged. Yeah. And that was in regards to our conversation last hour with uh, R. Davis Yance and his clients in the Navy SEALs, which was a good conversation. I'm glad we got him on. You know, I think a lot of people have been having a wake-up call. Um, even, like, I know on Instagram, everyone went, like, everyone's talking about, oh, can I can I have your email? Can I have your phone number? Just in case, you know, uh, Facebook and yeah. Instagram shut down again. Um, and, and so I think a lot of people have been having this wake up call, like, Hey, I've, you know, especially like small business owners that, that, that depend on these social networks to market their products or market their services. And they make a living off of this. Um, 
they had a wake up call and said, you know, I I need to get my customers, you know, phone numbers and emails just to make sure I'm I get connected annoyed to them. <laughs> every time I want to buy a little thing and they're like, yeah, can I have your email and your phone number and your address? I hate that. I'm Drives like, me nuts. I just want to buy this little thing. Like, yeah, but we need uh, no, I don't want to give you my personal information every time, but it's because of what you just said. They're desperate to stay in contact with their clients because otherwise, what are they going to do? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so annoying, though. Um, Clarissa, so you are right. We were shut down for two weeks. And the issue is we have, we now have three YouTube accounts specific to our show. One is the GRN Online account, which is the Guadalupe Radio Network YouTube page, which it's we stream. probably going to get shut down. We, we stream live to, or we were until we got our second strike and now we're on probation or we're on, we're on uh, timeout. And then the, the Catholic Drive Time YouTube page. Now, the strategy up to this point has been stream live to the GRN channel and post the individual interview content to the CDT channel. So break up the live show into smaller segments and repost them over to Catholic Drive Time. That's been our strategy to this point. It's not been working. Um, well, it works and it doesn't work. The live stream doesn't get a whole lot of push Afterwards, and that's because the there are two algorithms on YouTube's platform. Livestream has a separate algorithm than than uh, uploads do. Right, and they actually de-emphasized live streams a couple of years ago. So if your only strategy is live streaming on a on a channel, you're not going to get all that much traction. Um, you have to do also uh, uploads as well because uploads drive searchable content and. Um, Content that they suggest. And the number one traffic source for big channels is suggested content or what they call browse features. So that's where you want to be. That's the sweet spot to grow an audience on the platform is to be in browse features. When YouTube is your biggest fan supporting you by sharing your content free of charge to thousands of people. But to answer Clarissa's question, uh, we were struck on both channels. (laughs) But for some reason, there was like a delay so I get, I'm assuming the reason is because the live stream is much longer, so it takes longer for them to process it and check all the things with it. Uh, so the Catholic Drive Time channel got struck two weeks ago. Yeah. And then we just got access back to it at the beginning of this week. And then at the end of last week, that same video, uh, on the other side got struck. And so now, uh, so now GRN is off and now we're on. So it was, luckily there was a two week delay between the two. So we were able to start streaming straight to Catholic Drive Time once we got struck on GRN online. Yeah. But yeah, we did get struck for the same video on, on both, both sides. So, uh, part of my plan to, Mike is asking about, he's saying, I still think we should have an inner circle so we can fund the upgrades to your, to your site. You know, um, one of the, one of my, f- Steps. One of my to dos. One of my tasks in my phased approach towards what I hope will become the future of our radio apostolate in the digital brave new world is uh, think. Um, oh, this is my brain shut off. <laughs> Patreon. Thank you. Thank you, Adrian. Th- uh-huh. Think Patreon. Okay. You're welcome. A Patreon-like model for our program and for other programs on our network, uh, but not Patreon. Why not Patreon? Well, Patreon is, has a reputation also for censoring. A lot of people don't know that. But Patreon has uh, deleted cha- um, channels off of their platform because they don't toe the line either. Now, it's been a little bit less lately than in the past, but they have done so in the past. And so the idea becomes, do you really want to put all your eggs in someone else's basket and give them total control over your finances and your resources when they're limited to begin with? No. No. 
you don't want to do that. So we have to build that ourselves. And um, so again, it comes down to resources and starting, you know, building the team, building our product up, and then you see, and building the systems around money? that. <clears throat> well, I'm not worried about money, uh, in the in the in the sense that God is the uh, one of my favorite one of my favorite prayers in the Old Testament. Lord, you own the the cattle on a thousand hills. Sell some and give us the money. You know, does God need money? No. God is not dependent upon money. He's not dependent upon material things whatsoever. So God's will be done in all things. But he does ask us to strive through the difficulties, to uh, slog through the challenges, so to speak, and, uh, and, and get after it. And so that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to accomplish. we got a ways to go, though. You know, a lot of this is making me feel that um, I, the future of evangelization, you know, it's, it's interesting how, you know, in, in the, new, the turn of the new millennium, everyone is like, oh, the, you know, evangel- evangelize through media, evangelize through all the new technologies. And, and to some degree, I do think that there has been so much goodness that has come through media and technology and all of these mass media communication outlets. But it's interesting because I, I kind of have this sense that the future of, the future of evangelization the the very efficacious kind will have to be back through the traditional old school one on one relationship um door to door door to door kind of just relation relational aspect yeah um I, 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 there's something to is, that yeah this is why I love the TFP and I make this joke all the mm-hmm. time but I'm not I'm not actually joking I'm 100 percent serious the TFP are, are on Twitter are on Instagram are on Facebook. They post videos on YouTube. They do all this the new media stuff, but they are not relying on it. In fact, I was talking to the guys about this, about their YouTube channel, and they're like, oh, yeah, I have no idea why, how our YouTube channel is still up because we're not doing anything to – we're not we're not censoring anything. <laughs> right. We're doing – we're putting whatever we want on there, and we're expecting it to get kicked off yeah. because their primary model goes back to the way they were founded, which is pamphleting. They would print out pamphlets, and they'd hand them out to people, travel around public squares, go to people's homes, uh, care, take Our Lady Fatima into people's homes, and they also have a newsletter, and they also have a magazine. And they physically print it themselves. They don't have a printer that someone yeah. else prints for them. They have their own printers that print their materials, so yeah. they can't get canceled. Um, I would and ch- that's the way to go. I, I've tried that in the past. I would like to try that again in the future. Um, printing a magazine, newspapers, and distributing them the uh, St. Maxima and Colbe way. Uh, I, I love that idea. I think it's fantastic, especially uh, I tend to be a kind of a guy who says, okay, the herd is going this way. Well, then I'm going to go the other way. And um, I look for those opportunities that are unique and interesting. And I think there's something to that. And I would totally do that if I had the resources. I would absolutely do that. That'd be amazing. Yeah, doing make, printing your own stuff, that's super expensive startup cost. <laughs> well, you can you gotta, do it, but if you want to do it at a high quality level. Well, also, you want to do it at a at a high volume level. It, well, you need, yeah, but that's my you point, need a lot though. Of big machines. It, well, Max Kolbe had the state of the art German printing presses before he was he got it all taken away. Yeah. So I mean, he had the it, best. This can of the be best. done. I mean, it, it can be done. It's he just had expensive. a radio station, an airport. I mean, he had the best of the best. It can be done. Shalom Media. I think they do a fantastic job with the production quality level of their printed material. Um, I would just like to see that same production level quality, 
but with the conversations of consequence at a high level. Now, the problem is you're like, Joe, who's going to read magazines? But like you and Janice just talked about, I think that day is coming back. Yep, big time. I think it's going to circle back. I also think there will be more and interesting creative ways to use some of this um, blockchain technology to distribute digital content. Mm -hmm. So peer-to-peer networks, things like that. That's why I've done some research into blockchain to see what are the trends, what are the capabilities, Who's experimenting? How are they doing it? Uh, blockchain is interesting because it's decentralized. So if you can distribute digital content through a decentralized method, that's what Odyssey.com is. That's what Odyssey's built on. It's built on that very same technology for that reason, so that censorship can't be a thing, so that one entity can't decide. The problem, though, is you still have to access the Internet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the technology is one thing. Same thing with, like, mailing. You still have to have yeah. USPS. <laughs> Exactly. So Bluetooth peer-to-peer networks. So you're in a room. Talk about that personal relationship. You know, you walk up, you knock on someone's door, you talk to somebody at a, at a store or out at a park. Well, you might be able to just distribute digital content through that peer-to-peer network right there via Bluetooth. Like that exists. That That's possible. I had a professor one time say, uh, you know, the, the heart of the new evangelization is not so much uh, technology and all of you know all of these creative outlets, but more so of a friendship apostolate and an, incar- an incarnational evangelization. And I love that so much because um, if you think about it, you know Christ came to save us uh, through His incarnation, mm. and so we too are called to evangelize through our own incarnation. And I think especially this past year with the pandemic and everyone feeling isolated and separated from community and relational uh, building uh, 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 opportunities, there's a there's a great movement of like, you know, hey, let's instead of connecting online, let's meet up in person and connect in person. And, you know, myself, I've been craving that community and I'm, you know, hoping to uh, start a, a young woman's group in my local parish. And just like finding that incarnational community is so important um, for effective evangelization. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. We got to get offline and get together. I think that's a good idea. Hey, by the way, buddy, I'm sorry we missed your question about why this vaccine was different than the others when it comes to religious exemptions. Why they're taking this one more seriously. Our guest did, uh, he did mention that. He did bring that up, but maybe we can talk about that again tomorrow. Either way, God bless you. God love you tomorrow. Battle of Ponto is going to be our topic. That ought to be fun. Maybe we'll do something special in the 615 section for that. Hmm. I don't know. Tune in tomorrow morning. Tell us a friend. Tell a friend. That's what I wanted to say. I'm going to bed. Good night. God bless. Have a great day. We'll see you back here, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, for Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Until then. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. 